Hey you, thanks for tuning into the Waiting List Podcast. I'm Long Long. I'm Daniel. And I'm Jacqueline. And we are three watch friends with a healthy obsession for watches. So sit back and relax with us while we chat with collectors, industry giants, and share some good vibes. Welcome back to another episode of the Waiting List Podcast. On our show today, we have one of my dearest friends, Tracy. It took me a long time for me to work up the courage to get her on the show. I'm not sure why, but um, I look up to her more than she knows. And I was scared to take up her time because she's always really, really busy, actually. Um, is this an episode about watches? Yes, it is. But the real purpose of this episode is for me to kind of selfishly document my friendship with Tracy and that one day we can look back and maybe listen to this episode and see how much both of us has, like have grown in general, hopefully. <clears throat> and also, there were many invaluable lessons I learned from her. And I hope you guys listening will be able to relate and maybe reflect on the people you currently have in your life. So, yeah, no one... On this episode, I mean, by the way, Dan is on this episode as well. <laughs> like, I mean, let's talk about a tearjerker uh, intro. I mean, Jesus, like, you know, how emotional was that? Yeah, but I just thought, um, like, there's actually a lot of people who listen and who have a bunch of friends, and they're probably questioning, like, do I need this friend in my life, and like, who do I hang out with? So I think this will make like people pause and kind of reflect um yeah and as you guys all know me and dan are good friends so dan do chime in when you feel like you have something to add (laughs) okay so um let's begin okay so first of all tracy you're now based in new york um i first met you when you were working in hong kong where do you come from where did you grow up and what are you doing in new york right now okay um Thank you for the introduction. That was really nice. And honestly, I don't think that I'm anything like what you describe, but thank you. <laughs> this is a little bit strange because like it's a little bit more formal, but it's really funny that we can like go back and listen to what we talk. Oh. Um so I was born in Hong Kong and then I went to um California for high school. And um and then I continue my uni in New York then I was about to go back to Hong Kong and then I got a job in New York and then was planning to go back to Hong Kong after my first job but then I got a second job got a third job (laughs) and I'm staying and then um but then in 2020 I was like I was born in Hong Kong and I'm Chinese but I never worked in Asia so um I had an opportunity, so I moved to Hong Kong in 2020. I worked in Hong Kong for two years and then got another job opportunity, which is also really nice. And then you see New York. So I came back to New York for this opportunity. So here I am. Okay. So um, I know, so I'm pretty sure most people, if they actually know, like I post your photos and I know people have kind of like, realize okay you are Tracy you are my friend and you're also in the watch industry um how would you describe the Hong Kong watch scene versus the New York watch scene Mm, is it actually that's a very good question um I think that when it comes to diversity no doubt New York has um higher diversity I can um there like there the collectors are very different like Hong Kong probably um has more diversity than other like cities in Asia but I think comparatively speaking New York has uh, a bigger pool um with more diversity um you see more funky pieces in Hong Kong you see I don't want to be offensive should I be really raw no we are very like straight up like I, I've I, said some really offensive stuff about people's looks. <laughs> Okay, so I do think that in Hong Kong, it's very expected. Like when I go to a lot of watch get together, I see like, when I see those pieces, I it's like, oh, okay, this is very expected. It's very rare for me um, to go to GTG and be like, oh, wow, this is so cool. I mean, it's not that it never happened, but like, probably people have to bring like 200 watches. And then out of 200 watches, there are like five that I would be like, whoa, this is cool. And then like, 
I, I do think that like I do appreciate like more something more sentimental. Like you don't buy a watch because oh everybody has it. Just like oh I have a love bangle <laughs> because every girl has it or like um. So I think that in New York you get to see more interesting pieces with interesting stories. In Hong Kong, I don't run into that a lot. That's something that I really miss when I was in um when I was in when I was living in Hong Kong. But I do have to give credit to Hong Kong collector like collectors living in Hong Kong is that that um I do see a lot of really impressive pieces when it comes to um how do I say it? It's because it's so concentrated. You get to see a lot of crazy watches in one go. Yeah, I, I, it's like it feels like the wealth is condensed. Yes, yeah. yes, like you see a lot of famous watches in like one go, but then the thing is like because they are famous and then these watches are very like hard to get. You kind of just expected Hong Kong like watch collectors would have them, but in terms of interesting story, the reason why they collect this, and then like um, if you look at I, I usually look at the collectors curation. I don't just look at one or two pieces that they have. I look at like like the 10 watches that they have and what they bring up because it really represents them. Like a lot of them I see, it's very common. I'm sure that Dan and Long Yu experience that when they deck out their whole collection, it's like Nautilus, Aquanaut, Daytona, and then they have the Pepsi, they have some Epi <laughs> They probably have the Fashion overseas. It's like, and then they have a Richard Mille. Yeah. So then it's like everybody has pretty much the same assortment, but just different models. Um, in New York, it's more like, Oh, some people have like a Zenith. Some people have um, um, some people probably have like a Rattle. Some people have like a Grand Seiko. You know, like and then they also have like a uh Jeje Le Coup GOV6. And then they have like a they and then but they also have an FP Jorn like double resonant. You'll be like, oh, this is really interesting. And then they have an MBNF. So then you'll be like, oh, this is a very interesting curation. Do you think it has a lot to do with uh, people focusing on investment value or they just uh, don't have a very clear sense of like direction in terms of collecting? I think that like, yes, Hong Kong do look at watches. A lot more collectors in Hong Kong look at watches as um, as like an investment value. And then um, when I was in Hong Kong, I get asked a lot by a question that, oh, Tracy, I want to buy a watch. Do you use, uh, can you point me to a watch that is really good for investment and something that is also cool to wear? And then I always said this, I always say the same thing is that like watches were not made for investing at the very beginning, even like, I don't know, like 60 or 100, 200, 300 years ago, they were made to tell time, right? So um, if you want to look at it for investment, but also something cool to watch, a uh, to wear but then the thing is like they don't wear they wouldn't ask like something that I would like they wouldn't ask a question be like oh um do, can you recommend a watch that I would like like I, I don't really hear that I didn't really hear that a lot when I was in Hong Kong yeah I, I actually feel really awful I opened uh, my IG today and this person had started a conversation with me two years I don't use LinkedIn by the way and in the LinkedIn chat he has he found me and said to me, do you think I should buy a bunch of um, Rolex uh, modern pieces for investment and sell them a year later? And then I never replied. And then a year later, I replied, I'm so sorry, I don't use LinkedIn. And then today I found a message in my IG that was like, so um, you said you don't use LinkedIn. So I think it's better. I like type the question here. So he asked the same question. And I realized oh, this conversation has been going on for nearly three years. And my response today was like, literally, I cannot help you because I don't know. <laughs> like, But yeah, I get a lot of those like investment questions. Okay, so you were, yeah, go on. I think the investment value is a reason for liking a watch though. You can't, you can't, dis you can't like say, you can't narrow a reason for liking a watch not being an uh, investment value. You know, like we could say like any criteria such as like the dial. Let's say I was into dials. Like, you know, that is a reason. I think investment value is a reason for liking a watch. You know, that's 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 unfortunately, you know, how some well, I don't know if it's fortunate because that that almost sounds like it's a prejudgment on how you should collect, right? But I, I would agree with uh, Tracy. I think considering like the Mecca that is Hong Kong and the amount of watches that are available. The diversification of 
what you see in collections in the collectors, you'd expect more, I guess. When you go to the gatherings, you'd expect to see a lot more different. But I don't feel there's um, the confidence, you know, in the collectors to collect in a different way than what they see in the norm in Hong Kong. Yeah, it's quite. I think it's quite a challenge to go against the uh, the majority. Yeah, but um, I think we've been working in the industry for so many years. Actually, I started in jewelry. Um, I worked for my first brand. Can I say it here? Yeah, actually, I yeah, mean, yeah. please feel free to share the brands. You know, yeah. the first um, I I to be honest, I feel very lucky that I I got to work for Cartier when I first started. So Cartier has both has both watches and jewelry, and then um I I was still young and fearless. I mean I don't think I'm fearless now, <laughs> but I was come. Com- I mean now? I'm still pretty fearless, but I was more fearless in the at, at the at, when I've just started. So then I at that time I don't know if you guys remember the Ballon Blue. It was like yeah. so no, of course. I mean it's still it's like it's still very popular, you know. It was like the watch to get. So I was like. The franchise, the nickname. My first week at Cartier, and then and then my supervisor was like, "Oh, if people, this is the Ballon Blue. If people ask for the Ballon Blue, just direct them to the the all the way to the back, and then we have the full collection." I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> and then you know, it, the mansion, like it was on Fifth Avenue, so the mansion was so busy. And then I was like, "Oh, since the customer would start talking to me, like, oh, this is the Ballon Blue." Like I was like yeah this is the ballon blue like like how did you find out about this watch and then everyone was like oh uh everybody has it that's why i'm coming here to look for one and then i okay because i was fearless that's why i was always trying to ask you like oh because everybody has it so you actually want it you want what everybody what everybody i would be so something offended like that. if sales spoke to me like that like something like that i was like oh so you want a watch that everybody wants to have so among your friends, are they wearing gold or are they wearing stainless? If they're wearing stainless, I assume that you also want to like to get a stainless ballon blue. Jeez. So something like I mean, that was back then when I was still young and fearless. What and, is the like what is the protocol when you first go in? Is there like a, a script that you have to learn? Yeah, you learn about um you learn to be elegant and be like good morning good afternoon um (laughs) how 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 would you (laughs) yeah well how how could I help you today are you um or like what brings you in today oh yes I remember now like I wasn't about I could not I could not ask a client are you looking for anything in particular Mm -hmm. I had to ask what brings you in today because that sounds more elegant This is like because because the someone's challenges like I'm just browsing and then and I was like oh that's so true so then like everyone comes in and be like oh what brings you in today welcome to Cartier well you should it's um... kind of true it's kind of true right because yeah. it's offensive if you come in and be like mm-hmm. are you looking for watches or jewelry or are you looking for after sale service <laughs> yeah it's true <laughs> okay but they don't something good to learn do they say that in Hong Kong I don't even remember. I just know I have I to sanitize my hands. Do. I don't think that they do. They don't, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so how would you describe, like, what's the biggest difference between uh, watch buyers and jewelry buyers? Um, it depends on women <laughs> yeah, or men. Okay. Um, for men, I have to say something that really, men jewelry collectors are the other story. Like we can open another episode. They are, they are very mysterious. They are very knowledgeable. It's just a different bar. Um, can I men, say something stupid. Like, are they straight? By the way, they are straight. Oh, okay. They're also homosexual too. Okay. But um, I, maybe I'm just being biased. Biased, but my personal opinion about men who collect jewelry. Are, they're very knowledgeable they're not just knowledgeable when it comes to jewelry they're very knowledgeable when it comes to history when it comes to art mm-hmm. like they have a more well-rounded knowledge for like pretty much like everything in life like wine and then like mm-hmm. um art, architecture and then mm-hmm. and religion 
because jewelry pieces back then has a lot to do with religion and then also history mm-hmm. so that also make them very knowledgeable and then they have i do think that they have a sharper eyes for it when it comes to details wow because men who collect just watch collectors men watch collectors they look at things differently because they are not they don't have the jewelry background so when they look at watches they look at the movement but they don't look at they don't understand the the setting around the bezel you know like they would be like oh diamond bezel they can tell like oh this is baguette okay if it's round then it's like diamond markers or like they can name certain things but when it comes to craft craftsmanship of the watch let's say the bracelet or the bezel or um um the buckle um they will all they could say is like oh this is really cool but then they don't really have anything else to describe it in a, in a more um, analytical way. That's the difference. Okay. So a mutual friend of ours got married recently and I'm not a jewelry person at all. I can't even tell you like the different terms people use in diamonds and everything. And then as he's like shopping for the wedding ring, he's basically breaking down every brand and telling me about this one's shinier, that cuts better, blah, 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 blah. So mm-hmm. in terms of watches and bracelets, right? Which brand is doing a good job? I do like Piaget. Mm-hmm. I always said that like, I always say that Piaget is like the perfect marriage of a jeweler and a watchmaker. Okay. Like we look at like the pieces that they made in the 70s, they make beautiful bracelets. Um, they make beautiful bracelet watch. And then if you look at the dial, they have... Like all these kind of like they have stone dial, they have opal dial, they have they are and then they they really understand why women love wearing watches. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they also have great movement. Like they make their in-house movement and then they have a heritage. Um I do think that Jeju Lucudi are also picking up, like JLC is picking up and a lot of really nice reversal jewelry watches that mm-hmm. they're making. Um, especially from the new Watchers and Wonders. Mm-hmm. And I'm very impressed by it. Also, there are, um, I think there's one, it's like the reversal necklace watch that they just launched. And I think that that was really nice. Mm. Okay. Yeah, Dan? I was going to say, like, um, you know, we mentioned Cartier just now. And Cartier, you know, Cartier watches, they have a very specific design language and subsequently a very distinctive elegance to them that is just pure Cartier that's not replicated in other brands right um it, whether that's through the case shape or the way they do the the fonts you don't see that in Patek you know Patek is a different type of like elegance but I'm just bringing this up because with Piaget I also think that they have a very distinctive language especially if you look at the vintage stuff with the stone dials and the way it it's a very distinctive like vintage Piaget it is different to Cartier it's almost mm-hmm. on itself the way that vintage P- uh, Piaget is. But I, I think it's also, you know, if the brand was stronger in modern day, I think it would be also very collectible. I, I think there's some great pieces. Yeah, I think it's very under, under. Yeah, underrated. Like how just there's like, there's that perfect discreteness with some of the pieces with enough also design elements, whether that's through the dial or, or the case shape. It's just really, really on its own. Yeah, I, I really do admire those pieces. And they're really good value right now. Yeah. Tracy, were you going to say something? I was going to say that, like, nowadays you see that a lot of watch brands are making female watches by just adding diamonds. It's like, to me, it's like putting diamonds on a watch and call it a lady piece is so lazy. Yeah. It's I... like you're expecting every woman was going to like a Chanel bag. Okay, let me make a bag and put a Chanel buckle, then I'm going to like it. <laughs> No, <laughs> if it is, if the bag is ugly, even though you put Chanel logo, doesn't mean that I'm going to like it. If it, the bag is, uh, if the design is ugly, even though it's Hermes, it's, I can still say that it's ugly, just like any, just like watches. Just because you put, just because you change the dial to pink, <laughs> doesn't mean that I'm going to like it as a female collector. I want to know, like, internally in brands, right? When you guys have these meetings and there's clearly a bunch of females like including yourself sitting in the meeting and you're like, Hey, look, I really don't think the pink dial alone is going to like cut it. You know, what is the response? Do they just say like, okay, can you just stick to your department or is yeah, there something pretty that much, really? kind of, 
Most of the time, those pieces were already decided before they even share with us. And then I, I that's why I really think that like the whole industry itself, it needs more female collector to really work in the industry. Uh, there are a lot of there are definitely a lot of women who work in the industry nowadays. Comparing at all, also like in New York, there are more Asian. You know, like comparing ten years ago, you know, I when I remember I was like the only one in the in 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 my company in the in the store at that time. There were a couple more other Asian sales associates, but like I would say that at that time I was the only one that was Asian and below you know, 30 at that time in early 20. And then I do think that it the whole industry is getting better, but it definitely needs more female who are also collector instead of just female. Like they also need to love watches. And I think that takes education and it's going to take time. Uh, is the ratio of like female and Asian of people in the industry very low because they are not being hired or is this a choice they don't want to work in the industry I think also like among my girlfriends they don't really thought about it they they I mean they don't they did not even they did not think about it they haven't even thought about it they they don't really consider it because they also thought that like watches is like a it's like a man's thing so to them, it's not, they never even think that they could even work in watches. And I think it also starts from like talking about watches because what like there are always more male collectors than female collectors. And then like men collectors always look at like, oh, the movement and, you know, the model, like the by reference number. They think that like uh, female opinions are usually more shallow because we look at the watch by saying like, oh, this is pretty or this is not pretty. But yeah. I, but I think mm. like girls have a different perspective. So do you and think because the industry is like that? Do you think because the industry is like that, where it is male dominated, and you kind of just actually just mentioned the prejudgment, right? Like how people will say, "Oh, you know, you don't don't like that." And naturally, when you have that mentality within the industry, it, it can be quite limiting for for women, right? I think the industry probably needs a little bit more patience. Um, because it's not describing a watch or to kind of make comments of like uh, about a watch that you like. It's it's some sometimes it's not really easy to find the right vocabulary, especially for ladies who are not who are new to the industry, when they mm. don't really know. Let's say like what locks are. They was like, oh, these two things like. <laughs> they don't know what that's called lux. They don't know the term. So um, a lot of men, they already like, like a lot of male collectors, they already know the vocabulary. They have the terminology. So they're like, what are you talking about? You know, it, it could be a little bit more intimidating. Just like we, just like men walking into jewelry, sh jewelry shop, besides knowing the 4C, princess, can you name princess cut, cushion cut, baguette cut? And then emerald cut, what's the difference? Do you know why emerald cut has to be cut in emerald? Do you know why emerald cut, is, like, why is it called the same name? What? Why emerald cut is called the same name as the gemstone emerald? You don't know that. And then you got intimidated too. Even I don't well, know. Well, even with watches, like, <laughs> like, I remember, I remember, you know, the Royal Oak, right? It has the tapisserie dial, right? And um, I remember when I first heard that, I thought somebody said patisserie dial. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you know like the cake yeah so i went around saying patisserie dial and obviously nobody was correcting me because <laughs> you know it's like awkward right and i went back and did the research i realized oh fuck man it's a tapisserie <laughs> you know like okay if you bring a guy shopping right and you pick up a bag and they know nothing about the price nothing about the history nothing about the brand but they can still tell you now nah, it, it looks good. It looks bad. It elevates how you're looking right now, or it makes you look worse. Yeah. Right. So they don't have the vocabulary, but what they're saying is factual. Yeah. So if you think about it, if a girl that knows nothing looks at a watch and just says, Hey, it's ugly. It's very valid. It probably is true. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. So they I should really so. listen. Yeah. They should listen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We we give you like look at that guy he's wearing that watch ill. 
Yeah, and I think it's more that like with that shirt. I don't. I don't think the problem. Okay, so I do think it's a um two layers to this problem. One is like you said, it's intimidating because you don't have the vocabulary. So mm. as you're trying to describe what's the problem with the watch, you lack the vocabulary, so you're embarrassed, and then the conversation ends. But the yeah. second thing is, I only realized this. Uh, after a while I used to look at a watch and then I'll be like okay it's ugly but I couldn't tell you why it was ugly and I would be frustrated because everyone around me could look at it and tell you exactly how to fix it so they'll be like if you just remove the date window and extend the hands and I'll be like how is everyone seeing this and I'm not seeing it and then I realized it comes with time it's just like fashion bags whatever you know exactly how to tweak the thing to make it good um So you can hire a bunch of girls, but you need to, like you said, educate them. So force mm-hmm. them to look at a lot of watches. So they pick up yes. what looks good and what doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, that was actually what I wanted to ask you mainly was like, what is your biggest frustration with the watch space right now? Aside from, yeah. So aside from like how it, you feel like it's not catered towards women. Is there anything else that you see that you really want to change? Um. I think that like um, I do think that like the whole industry needs to pay more attention to uh what the col- what the collectors have to say like people the consumer actually I wouldn't use the word collector I would use consumer um they need to be faster they cannot be two years after mm-hmm. like if you're talking about green dial mm-hmm. like you're not gonna launch another green dial like after three four years and be like. We were just talking about it four years ago, and now you make me a green dial. It's too slow. I, and then a lot of time, I do have to admit, like, you know, the two years when I was working in Hong Kong, I I was actually closer to watches because I wasn't working directly in the industry. And now I'm back in the industry again. I do have to say that, like, when you work, when this is your job twenty four seven, the last thing you want to do is to social, like, yeah. and to to see watches again, like after work. Um, or to talk about it, or to receive more critical comments. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do feel for people who work in the industry. Like I, I get it. Like sometimes you just want to take a break, but at the same time, the off the clock, off office hour. That's the time when you really know about the market by grabbing drinks with consumers, like knowing them more, um, understanding what why they're buying, what they're buying next, and what make them pull the trigger, and what they are reading. It really helps. Yeah, Dan. Okay, so yeah, like, are you allowed to share actually one what you do? That was my first question, and secondly, um, you know, you mentioned about consumers. So, what, in your opinion, are consumers saying right now? So, like the smaller watches movement that consumer were talking about, like last year, um, or a couple years ago, and we now just started seeing. I wish that it could be a little bit faster. I wish that there would be more foresight in from the brand side overall. Because working in the brand, like sometimes you, I'm sure that I'm not the only one. Like sometimes it's just different opinions. Like I see this, and then my probably my colleagues see different things, and we all see different things, right? And then you know the top of the pyramid sometimes doesn't get to hear everyone. So like making decision has a lot. Like there's a lot of mixed voices. Which makes decision harder to make. That's how I see it. And then I think the major problem is also because we work by our desk. We work. We focus on a lot of like day to day work, but sometimes we forget or we don't spend enough time on hearing consumers. Dude, that's uh, such a valid point because I'm always like, the people that hear the most are. Actually, the salespeople in the store. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my god, you hit it on the nail. So people who work on the sales floor, then they always try to like make comments, right? Like sales associate. I was one in sales, and then um when I first started, and then sales associate also feel that my voice can never go all the way up there. So then there's just so many layers, which is something that I, I wish that there could be a lot more improvement in the coming few years. It's probably like um, like high management probably don't all they look at is numbers, right? So yes. when you look at like um, let's say you see the trend is smaller case watches, you're probably going to see that reflected in the sales figures. 
right? Because you're going to see, like, across, I mean, most of the brands are owned by, like, a couple of conglomerates, right? Swatch and uh, Richemont. Yeah. Richemont overall is going to see yeah. that, you know, we could say, we could say, you know, the trend is for smaller watches. And, and like you said, mentioned just now, that's an opinion. And another, well, some other person could have another opinion, right? Because even as a salesperson, your pool is limited to the clients you see in a particular region. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can't argue with sales figures. Like that is kind of, oh, yeah, we can see that 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 is backed up by the data. So I was just thinking like, yeah, the, 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 the people that make these decisions, they're so far away it's, from it's... the, but they're looking, just looking at data. So then they make that decision, right? And that, that, that data takes time to accumulate. It's not as fast as a salesperson telling you. It takes time to accumulate, but at the same time, if you're always like no judgment, just me myself talking, and then it, like I that's why I love being on a sales floor. When I I always love doing market visit. I would I love spending time in in the shop with my team because that's the best way and the fastest way to get any information that you want. Because they are the one that can, like sales associates are the best people that can explain the data. Why this watch, why this sports watch is going up, why this dress watch is not, dress watch is not selling. And um, a lot of times that like, I do, Dan, you have a good point there that like, sometimes it's a little bit hard. Like you see that one model is doing very well because people like it, but you know that it's not the DNA of the watch, but you still want to milk it because you want the numbers, right? And then at the same time, then production team may be like, okay, let's hurry up and make more sport watch. Let's make more of this reference, like keep making it yeah. so that we can make more money and hey, make the numbers and like, go, 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 go. And then like, you forget, oh crap, I need to be like, I need to diversify the brand because that's not the DNA. And then by the time you notice that, like you are, by the time that you notice that like, oh, I actually need to like go back to my DNA, like then you waste another two years. Sounds terrible. Yeah, I, I, I agree because like, if and then you exhaust the exhaust the reference that you were producing massively, and then no, at the end, nobody wants it anymore. And yeah, then I mean, you yeah. don't have and the DNA of the brand that is not like like the production is not ready, so like you're stuck. Yeah, it's like that brand we just talked about, Piaget, right? Like I know they keep pushing the sports watch because you know everyone sports watch, sports watch. But it's so not their brand DNA, you know, like they're about like super thin, elegant, you know, minimalistic watches and people that, okay, let's say you keep pushing these sports watches, you just, you just lose your DNA. Like the very key thing that people would go to you for suddenly like people are confused, you know? It's hard. It's and everything that is easy. It's like being, you know, someone has a lot of friends, like there, we always like in our circle, we always have someone that has a lot of friends, but for someone that has a lot of friends that kind of give a call and can call like a hundred people to like, to show up, they have a very particular personality, but some people, they don't have a lot of friends, but they have really good quality friends. It's, I feel like it's pretty much the same thing. It's like you either cater to everyone or you really cannot cater to everyone. You have to kind of like, pulled it like make the sacrifice and then i feel like sometimes a lot of times we don't like making sacrifice oh we want to have a lot of friends all the time I but wanna... then they're just like drinking and eating but then <laughs> the time that you need the friends that really help you out you realize that hey, oh, there, there, there's anything. nothing wrong with drinking and eating yeah. <laughs> True. And, like i want to say like that analogy like so do we fall into the category of quality friends <laughs> like what are we <laughs> Okay, I want to go on to the next point because now um, I want to move on to the topic of friendship. Okay, so we both connected initially over IG and then we had pasta together and then we became friends. <laughs> That's, I remember we went to Carbo. And we had coffee together first and yeah. we had pasta but together. The, the solid, like the real friendship begun like after pasta. And, um, you know, yeah, you know, a lot of people will be listening to that long and thinking, yeah. "Oh, it's so easy to be Long Long's friend. I just need to take her out for dinner." And I swear, yeah. I reckon ninety yeah. percent of the yeah. time people do that, it doesn't work. Yeah, okay, <laughs> but listen to like, okay, honestly, this is what Tracy doesn't know. So after we left that lunch, right? Um, there was a lot of um talk about how we wanted to see women around us succeed, and it just mm-hmm. made us happy, and how much we valued support, and then women should support each other. I was obviously like straight away, I was like, okay, we need to be friends or like, we're going to be good friends. But I was also like, 
I don't think I can be friends with this person because is she genuine? Like, why would someone else on this earth think like me? Like, it must be bullshit. So I was like very skeptical as well. And obviously I've been hurt a lot by other friends. So it takes a long time for me to say like, yeah, I'm going to accept one extra friend to my life. But what I never asked you is where did you learn this from? Like the idea of supporting another female or just just you really value support and having a close like woman support system i you know what growing up i was never i was like the not popular kid like the one that no one likes you know what? <laughs> i'm not kidding i'm what, what not do you mean kidding. no one likes it's very vague. Meaning, no one okay, likes your personality you know, you know, or no one likes the way you look or what well lono you know how outdated i am with like pop culture and all like I could not relate because I I grew in a family that like I wouldn't allow to watch TV couldn't like oh I couldn't hear you you have to share the story about who came into the store when you were working as sales and you could not even recognize the <laughs> <a> person <laughs> wait I don't know Dan after he heard it I, I'm afraid that he's gonna like hang up no he's he's not surprised like he will not be surprised <laughs> um so I was working for on the sales floor and then uh, it was like Christmas season. Someone came in looking for his wife and then I looked at him. Hi, sir. How can I help you? And then he was like, oh, I'm looking for my wife. And then I was like, your wife? May I know your wife last name? He said Baldwin. I was like, oh, Mr. Baldwin. Um, do you know her? Uh, can you describe how she looks like? <laughs> then. Jeez. And then. I was like, oh, why don't you walk around and see if you find your wife? Um, and he took a peek and I was like, oh, never mind. I don't think she's here. I was like, oh, okay. I'm sorry. Maybe she's somewhere else. Hope that you can find her. And then he left. Yeah. And then everybody saw me talking to Alec Rowan. God, I'm <laughs> then, still like, how? And then like my colleague came to me and she was like, do you know who you just talked to? I was like, um, no, Mr. Bolt. <laughs> he only told me he's laughing. And then, <laughs> I mean, this this doesn't even like the the list of people that we have gone through, like Richard Gear and whatever. You're just shocked by like where this person like grew up. But you're like, did you even watch TV? I didn't. That's why I wasn't the popular kid. And then, mm-hmm. um, oh, and like Tom Cruise and what's that guy? Christian Bale. <laughs> I got them messed up. What's that guy, Christian Bale? What a line. <laughs> Does that go as the episode name episode title? And then so that's why I wasn't the popular because I wasn't like really connected. Um so going back to that topic, um, so it was really tough as growing up, but I actually happened to have a couple friends in primary school that uh she came to me and she was like started talking to me she was like oh I like you you're cool you're actually you know you you read and you know like weird like information and stuff because I like to read like different kind of things and then like like such as E.T. like believing there's alien flying out there and has a tattoo something like that um so because of the two friends that I had when I was in primary school, which I, sadly I lost contact with them, um, I was able to be who I am and I was really happy. And then when I went to high school, um, I just, you know, like I was really lucky that I never had a lot of friends, but I always have one to two friends that were like, you know, you're actually not boring. You're actually funny. And then that kept me in my bubble in a way that like I could become who I am. And I feel like it's important because it makes me feel enough mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and feeling less than who I am. Okay. I know um, you, this emphasis that you have with putting in a lot of effort to stay connected. Like I can't find any other way to say this, but uh, I think we both put in a lot of effort to actually talk and cut out time to talk. And uh, I don't see that with a lot of people because I think friendships are to some extent exactly like relationships. Like you need to put in a lot of effort and be very intentional with like, I'm now taking out time and we're going to talk and then what's happening and so on. Where did you learn this from? Um, My parents. Because they always, like, they travel a lot. And then they always make sure that, like, I talk to them on the phone. 
like my mom or my dad, they would travel for like 10 days, but then they will always call me and be like, tell me what you did today. What, even it's like five minutes, I had to be like, oh, here we go. I have to report them like what I, I have to report them like what I did today. Or like after three days, I was like, mom, I forgot what I did on Monday or Tuesday, but, but this is what it, it is, what it is. And then, but they will always be like, oh, okay, at least you told me like what you did. At least I heard, I, at least I, 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 I heard from you, you know? And then um, my mom was always telling me that like, oh, even like when my, for example, like when my dad is out for business trip for like, let's say 10 days and my mom is at home, she would tell me to call my dad and be like, you need to stay connected. You need to at least call your father and tell him like, even just say that, like, I just had dinner. You need to make a call. So I think this is something started from when I was a kid. Okay. And um, I think we both share this, right? And I'm not sure if this is like a filter in terms of how we pick friends and who we choose to keep around. But um, you have lost some of your friends that you, you were really close to from being too direct and just wanting to help them, like you wanting to see them improve in life, right? Um, yeah. And then, I mean, we do the same to each other, like zero filter and just like basically smack each other, like wake the fuck up kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, have you changed your approach with like how you speak to people and friends? And, or do you think this is the kind of people that you want around you? Um, over time, I think I've also grown up a little. <laughs> um, so I decided to be like, okay, let me see what this person wants. You know, um, I was, I was told that by my colleagues and be like, Tracy, not everybody is like you. Not everybody wants to move to different places not everybody wants to change um if people who don't want to change just let them be and then I was thinking oh maybe this is what happened to a lot of my friends too they they are happy to do the same thing for 10 years or they're happy in where they like at where uh, they're happy working where they are they're happy where they are you know like even though they're complaining all the time but maybe the pain to change is too much is more painful than the pain that they're going through. So maybe I should just respect that decision. So now if I know their objective, I am still very transparent and very direct, um, but I would just choose not to talk about it. So to avoid any conflict, mm. <laughs> unless they ask, what okay. should I do? Okay. <laughs> then I would just go be like, okay. <laughs> okay. Finally, I think a lot of people that listen, they have a lot of friends, actually, but um, they might find themselves still very lonely because they don't feel seen, heard, and they just are dying to connect on a deeper level. Like, what kind of advice do you have for people who, like, want to find, like, deep connection, like, have a friendship that is, like, that almost feels like a sister or a brother or family? I think when you're too afraid of being alone you cannot connect with anyone at the deeper level because you cannot even face yourself then how can you use your true self to to connect with other people at a deeper level a lot of people have a lot of friends because they're too afraid of being lonely they like to be surrounded by everyone everyone and then they cannot even like spend like one hour, you know, by himself. And lonely, you know me, like I love dining alone. <laughs> yeah, love it. Like the ultimate thing, yeah. Because it's something, it's like and when I dine alone, when I spend time by myself, I, I can actually take the time to just even zoning out or like just thinking about what I'm going to do next or tomorrow. What's the next meal? <laughs> uh, it helps. I just think that like when you're like first step to do is to be comfortable with who you are and know who you are first and be proud of who you are by, you know, making small changes and improving every day. Okay. Good advice. Okay. Reverse around. I know you prepared a question, so let's hear it. Or do I ask each of you together? Uh, yeah, I mean, you can just yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same guys, question, do you, right? Do you guys like yeah? Do you guys when you guys see someone like do you guys judge the person by the watch that they wear for the first time you meet the person? Definitely. Is that the question? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like, then like 
how like do you have any examples like that's someone that really shocks you yeah like uh chester uh so the sign and watch guy he he wore code 1159 when it first came out white dial <laughs> and i was just confused i mean because he loved it and he could go into detail about it into how it's um why is the like why is the he was going on about the the shape and like it reminds him of a theater da, 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 going on about it and i was like okay he didn't just buy it to bundle like this guy actually likes it but initially obviously the first reaction was like whoa do you have other do you have any watches that like you have in your mind that like okay if the person were these they are usually in this category do you have like a category like how do you categorize them um the first time that you meet the person based on the watch that they wear or like overall i have some really mean ones like should i say or dad do you want to say something to like you can describe it person- just really mean uh yeah well my answer is uh a watch is an accessory that you know you people wear to you know express themselves it's just like uh you know how they dress and wear pieces of clothing and uh i think um you know i wouldn't say you know prejudge is a bit of a strong word these days but you get information about a person and sometimes you know just like how someone dresses you think oh that that really works and sometimes you think well that doesn't really work and i think that's the same with um with watches but i think the the quickest thing you probably information you gain is um you think about wealth maybe because like these things cost a lot of money and so when they're wearing an extra pound you, you everybody knows how much the pieces cost you know you even in your brain because of the various blogs you read you're looking at 3k below and then 3 to 10k and then 10 to like 30k and then pretty much like up to 100k so your first information is oh they might be quite wealthy or oh they're they're not right and you know I'm not saying most of the time it's, it's not even accurate you know because it could be that they're not wealthy but their family is or it could be that you know they have a very refined taste and they like small watches and you know there's a very specific range that they collect so usually that's wrong but i think that's the it's almost like a subliminal isn't it a lot of these things i want to ask you a question dan like from a guy's perspective you see a girl she's her outfit is like 10 out of 10 everything up to like the um which fabric mixes with which fabric like obviously it's like so Mm. well planned shoes a hair um bag everything perfect and uh she's wearing a hublot but the hublot actually looks super good with the whole outfit do Mm. you think oh man she has bad style or do you think like she's obviously studied every case shape and found one that suits her i think she's got um like good style I mean, if she's like that and the watch matches, I mean, you can't just base it on the watch, can't, can you? you got to look at everything else. Like if she's matched like the shoes with everything, clearly she's got style, right? Uh, or, it, or I would say like a style that resonates with me because, you know, style is very personal. Um, but I wouldn't like just, especially nowadays, I think, like I wouldn't be saying, oh, you're wearing a hublot. I think that's the kind of... Um, attitude maybe one takes when they start off relatively early to mid journey in this in this game and then you meet more people and then you see how people like um have their own collecting philosophies how they conduct uh their life you know and you, you become less i don't know judgmental i guess or less susceptible to agreeing with your first impression of a person okay i know I do judge a guy huh by the collection that they have <laughs> You you judge them by the collection they have. Yeah. What like, is a deal breaker for you that you're just like, I no. Um, I do I, I if they are if all high pieces, then it's a no. Sorry. But what if they really like just love they the, really like they really they really know like, everything? I haven't met any, so but, but that you could also say like there's there's a phase you know like there is a phase where everybody does want the height pieces and then once they get through it they i'm not not everybody does get through, you know they work their way through it and some people are happy just to collect those height pieces but um 
it it is part of the education in a way isn't it like owning yeah. a nautilus owning a royal oak having the experience of that before moving on to like deeper things well then they have to like pass through that face <laughs> yeah yeah what you're saying is that doesn't resonate with you i mm-hmm. get it yeah and she's also saying she has standards okay <laughs> but right now like with all three of us yeah, it's the same i think how tracy would feel it's the same as how we would feel right it's not that it just doesn't quite vibe you know i mean it's because you see the watches so often like, yeah exactly everywhere numb to it yeah uh-huh. okay i want to move on to quick fire um short answers first thing that pops up in your mind okay first one there's a lot of food related ones by the way because if you guys follow her like all she does is like criticize food and critique restaurants okay can i just say i remember yeah. that one of the first days we went for food yeah so we bonded over food too yeah i think this i think this what sealed the deal was the ice cream can you remember we went for ice cream we ate ice cream oh yeah we ate ice cream after eating salad yeah we, we were so stuffed yeah, that we had ice yeah. cream so maybe that is the deal for you it to is take you to have dessert and ice cream i just need food all right first one biggest pet peeve with waiters and waitresses rude Okay, what kind of rude can you... Yeah, like, what kind of rude? I really hate it when they come to ask me, how's the food when I'm still like chewing them? Like, should I answer you or should I eat my food first? Like, they should really come in like when I'm not, I don't have food in my mouth. <laughs> I So we can do one whole episode of her critiquing food and talking about the restaurant industry. She has more to offer about F&B. Than, like, I should just switch industry. Yeah. Okay. Should should should, yeah. should the should the waiters come in and say what brings you here to our <laughs> like and then the and then the person's like oh, you're fucking obvious I'm here to eat. <laughs> okay, best meal you've had in New York. In... Yeah, I knew you're gonna say that. Like, okay, in New York then. In New York, the best meal so far. Um, I went to a French restaurant called Coloman mm-hmm. with my boyfriend for the anniversary mm. that's pretty much the best meal so far far <laughs> seats simple but like mm. unexpectedly good oh you know what i yeah. because it's unexpectedly good because they exceed the expectation okay what is your nighttime routine nighttime routine um check emails god <laughs> check my work phone god um like averagely Just... probably like eight skincare products yeah um and then i do oh i do try to hypnotize i have been trying to do like the like what is it called i've been trying to hypnotize myself into sleep is it like mm-hmm. a is it is it like a meditation thing yeah, yeah it's, but a meditation. Then, but it's yeah. like deeper yeah. it's like deeper it brings you to like a deeper level like you like when before right before you sleep like the 10 minutes you emerge like you have to imagine yourself like going into the water and have like a bubble surrounding you and then that's how you like it's like, like drowning very yeah, but you can still breathe or you have to like imagine yourself in like a very sacred area that like you're very peaceful like no one can touch you but you're very like safe and then it kind of makes you sleep better and it can inspire you about like things that you want to do okay can i just can i just add a question does your partner know when you're about to enter this 10 minutes of he doesn't he would be asleep already okay okay yeah Yeah. do do you do you both of you have trouble sleeping long do you you kind of don't sleep well sometimes right yeah i definitely have trouble sleeping i do yeah. So that's why I have to do this because it helps me to sleep deeper. So can I ask, because like I don't have trouble sleeping, like what is it like? Like what what it's like Yeah, what is it like? Do you remember when you're young and you know you have to wake up for an exam and you're like, please just sleep? <laughs> that and then you're like, oh my god, stop wasting time thinking about sleeping. And you're just trying to sleep. <laughs> That's how I would describe it. Ah, uh, so you feel you like the time so ticking bad. away. And you, yeah, yeah, exactly what she said. You wake up being like, did I even sleep? I swear, I only just closed my eyes in the sun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's just terrible. That's why like the 10 minutes, like, like 
hypnotherapy to myself before I sleep really helps. It centers my thoughts. So what, um, what we're like digressing, but I'm interested. Yeah. It's like, what, what makes it worse? Do you know like certain things that you know, ah, oh, if that happens, I'm fucked. Um, nothing can help me sleep other than drinking wine. <laughs> but that food. I, yeah, I tried because before I would always try and eat, eat something and drink milk, but I'm just like so happy and not sleepy. <laughs> so I have to drink wine to sleep. Okay, but you also drink a hell of a lot of coffee, don't you? Yeah, but it's really not that. I think it's like an anxiety thing where you just keep thinking about what you need to do tomorrow. I'm like, oh my God, I have to do so many things and just keep thinking and thinking. I put the task into my phone. I put, I write it down. Like I try and get it out of my mind, but you really have to do what she's saying, which is like, put yourself in a bubble and drown in that bubble. Yeah. yeah. Or like on a cloud or something. Like you have to imagine a peaceful space. Yeah um yeah so yeah okay first thought when you wake up in the morning work okay um watch brand doing the most exciting stuff at the moment this is very difficult watch brand is doing exciting things yeah um let me hmm you know what after watching some wonders i feel mm-hmm. like a lot of Brands are doing uh, uh, not as creative as before. Surprisingly, Rolex, I, I hate to say that, but like I'm really impressed by what Rolex is rolling out. It's it we all thought it was a joke, but they're not joking. So okay. Kudos to them. A brand that I never thought that I would give recognition. Okay. Thing you do that de-stresses you. Um eat. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, running. Okay. I do like to run. Yeah, that helps. Baking. Yeah, yeah, baking for you. Ah, I'm not being funny. Yeah, but what about sex? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, I know too. that sounded like it. I'm serious. That too, I guess. Well, it that is expected, yeah. no? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it cannot uh, so for be me, the I'm like that's well, like expected. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I just wanted to make sure we're on the same page. <laughs> Ideal holiday. Um, beach or a city? City. Even I cannot be under the sun. What? Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I don't um, look good when I'm tan, so I cannot go to the beach. All right. But your ideal holiday would be like inside the office, actually. <laughs> uh, in the office when everybody is on holiday. Yeah, that's your so I can take my time to like <laughs> do yeah. my thing. Okay. Um, last photo you took on your iPhone or on your phone? I think it was food. <laughs> okay your biggest fear um mickey mickey like mouse animal. yeah wow. i don't even like to say the word because i really hate mickey it mouse. Mickey mouse. so i guess you're not a big fan of uh like joe agenda there and his, yeah. and his like mm mouse uh no no watch. nothing related to that yeah that's a that's... i just i just saw right they're bringing that back yeah just see that brand back with uh, Arno. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that is. Okay. Last one. Finish this sentence. I am happiest when I am carefree. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, fine. Oh, and you do it, Lang. I am happiest when I am. Look, but it's so long. Like, oh, I, could, I could name 100 scenarios. That I have fantasized about. Like open the door and a hundred like golden retriever puppies running in. <laughs> like I can go on and on. <laughs> Unrealistic stuff. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That um is the end of the podcast. Um, well, at least this episode. Thank you so much for coming on. And I hope you enjoyed that. I know this is like the most serious we have been ever. Okay. Um, what did I just hear? Yeah, usually, usually if you see me and Tracy's like, what's up? It's unreal. <laughs> um, okay, so if you guys want to connect with Tracy, find her on IG. She is at Yaycart. So basically Tracy spelled backwards, Y-E-C-A-R-T dot W. And as usual, you can I, find I Dan. I only just realized that. 
What? Yeah, I'm surprised oh. no one noticed that. I Everybody only was just realized so that that was I'm Tracy like, spelled just... backwards. Yeah. How is that obvious? It's How is it not obvious? <laughs> Well, yeah. it's spelled backwards, so it's not obvious, is it? It's obvious. It... Do you do you, like sometimes I'm no, like, I just thought, I... why is she like that? Oh, it's you so know? obvious that I'm like, I was like, think Pastor was just saying, yeah, or something, you know? No, sometimes I actually think to myself, am I a genius or is Dan really dumb? <laughs> like, I can't even tell because <laughs> we had just... the same thing with mech watches when you were like, what does mech stand for? I was like, duh it's so obvious (laughs) okay and um yeah you guys can find dan jack and myself on the waiting list podcast page so see you guys on the next one bye 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 thanks tracy bye thanks guys as always thank you for listening to the waiting list podcast we hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have and if you have any questions comments or feedback feel free to reach out to us at the waiting list podcast on instagram or via our private accounts we'll see you on the next one bye, bye. bye.